Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. If you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 18, and I've got a, um, just a, a quick thought here. As, we, as we're kind of wrapping up 2020, there's a lot of stuff that I'd like to leave behind. Anybody else? <laughs> and it's funny because some of you were sharing some scriptures that I've been reading and I've been really thinking about and processing that I believe God's told us we're supposed to be talking about uh, in the beginning of, of this coming year. And uh, the one cat that you read is actually a big part of that, that when he ascended, he gave gifts to men. We want to talk about what those gifts are because uh, it might be different to what you think it is. And because those gifts are being released into our church at, at an increasing level. So we're going to talk a bit about that in the new year. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that I, I, I would certainly like to leave behind. Not people I want to leave behind, but things that I'd like to leave behind. And when you transition from one thing to another, whether you're transitioning from one job to another, one city to another, uh, one group of friends to another, or even just one year to another, it is a season of transition. And I, I do think it'd be a mistake to think that just because the calendar ticks over to a different year that everything changes because the reality is it doesn't. If you're in debt December 31st, you're probably still in debt January 1st. If you uh, had beef with people on December 31st, you probably still had beef with them January 1st. You know what I mean? It's not like the changing, but it is a transitional time. And we can use these significant moments in our lives to make sure that we actually do leave behind some things. That, can we turn that off? Is that okay? Because <laughs> everybody's looking at the TV screen. Um, there are some things that you can leave behind if you choose to. And in Matthew chapter 18, I think Peter, the apostle Peter, asks Jesus a question. And in verse 21, I didn't give you the verse yet. I want to have a look. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or some of your translations may say 70 times seven. I think it's interesting that different translations use different numbers. Do you know why? Because it ain't about the number. If you're trying to do the math in your head, you're already on the wrong page. Because that's what Peter's doing. Peter's trying to do the math. Because forgiveness is hard. It's hard. It's not in our human nature to forgive. It's in our human nature to remember, to hold grudges, to as the Scottish proverb says, you may forgive everyone, but don't forget the bastard's name. And I'm sorry if I use that term, but I'm only quoting a Scottish proverb. That's in our human nature is we may say we forgive, but we never forget. It's hard. It's hard. But it's a requirement for revival. 
If you want to live with revival in your, in your heart, if you want to see streams of living water coming from you, forgiveness is not an option. It's a requirement for revival. And I want to live revived. I don't want to live halfway. I don't want to see a trickle coming out of my heart. I don't, I don't want to just see an occasional drop of living water that hopefully maybe somewhere somebody will get some joy. Maybe, maybe somewhere I may have love and joy. I may even get peace, but patience, forget about it. I can't have all of the fruit of the Spirit. That would be unrealistic. Come on, nobody gets everything they wanted for Christmas. You can't get everything you want from God. You can't have all the fruit. Just be happy with what you have. But then I read my Bible and I go, no, it's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. All of those things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control, they're all available to me in increasing measure. And forgiveness is a requirement for me to be in revival, for me to have living water flowing from me, for me to bear fruit in every good work. But it's not easy. I think what's hard about forgiving is probably it's the, it's the sting of the offense that's hard to get over. It's the sting. Because even when we do forgive, the memory creeps back up. You ever have that? You've forgiven somebody of something, but every now and then something triggers that memory. Maybe you go to the place that you guys used to go to together and the trigger comes up. Or maybe somebody says something that's the same kind of thing the other person would say, and you're like, Bruh, and you can't figure out why you're mad at somebody completely different because it just triggered, because the memory, the sting is still there. But God's not like us. <laughs> In Jeremiah 31, 34, God says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. God is an expert forgiver. I want to be an expert forgiver. There's lots of things I could endeavor to be an expert in. I could be an expert in the Bible. Well, I could try to be. I could be an expert preacher. I could be an, an expert counselor. I could be an expert builder or, or all of these things that I could look at and go, I want to be an expert in that because that's how you grow a church and that's how you get happy and that's how you, you connect people. But I want to be an expert forgiver. Because if I can't become an expert forgiver, then none of the other stuff, stuff matters. I can grow a huge church, but if I don't live with forgiveness in my heart, then I'm sowing that same seed into everything else that I've built. And I can get to the place where I've had all the worldly success that there is, but if there's a seed of unforgiveness that's in my heart, what's coming out of me is not actually living water. There might be some water, but if it gets a little muddy, it's not very nice for anybody else to drink. I want to be an expert. I want to be an expert. Revival requires forgiveness, not as a moment, but as a lifestyle. And so when Peter asked this question, Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive? Now, you can, you can read that from what we know of Peter. You can read that a lot of different ways. And I know the Bible doesn't specifically say what Peter's attitude was in asking this question. Was he like, how many times do I have to forgive? But it could be, kind of knowing Peter's nature, that Peter is actually going far above what, what, what was required of him. In fact, we know this because in the book of Amos, in the first chapter, this was something that 
um, the Jews at the time, this was the standard that they were living by because Amos, it says that God forgave Israel's enemies three times, but on the fourth time he punished them. And he, Amos, in the first chapter of Amos, he goes through, or Amos if you're Australian, uh, in the first chapter of Amos, he goes through all of Israel's enemies and he goes, I forgave them three times and on the fourth time I punished them. So the standard at the time for Jews became, oh, that must mean that we can forgive people three times, but on the fourth time you don't have to forgive anymore. But somewhere between that intertestamental period between Malachi and Matthew, the 400 years of God remaining silent, the Jews added over 600 different and more regulations onto the law that he gave them. And part of that regulations was it's now gone from three to seven. And so Peter you ever get confused about what the standard is anymore? You're like, is it masks? Is it not masks? Is it social? I, I'm, I don't even know what today's executive order is. I don't even know what the standard is anymore. And so you're like, I'm just, I'm not trying to buck the system. I just don't know what the new standard is. And it's almost like Peter's going, okay, Jesus, can you help me here? Because it was three, but now we're being taught that it's seven. I just want to make sure that I'm not falling short. I want to make sure that I'm meeting the standard because my heart is to please you. My heart is to do what's right. That's the way I read this. My heart is to do what's right. I just don't know what the current standard is anymore because I hear this and I hear this. And Jesus, you're the authority. I don't care what the number is. I just got to know what number do I need to hit in order to please you? What standard do I have to meet? What's my key performance indicator, my KPI for forgiveness? And so he says, is it seven? And Jesus looks at him and purposefully gives him a number that is unfathomable. Whether it's 77 or 490, it's too much. And what Jesus is telling him is, Peter, it ain't about the number. It was never about the number. The problem with Peter's question is not that he didn't have the heart to forgive. The problem with Peter's question is that it was still ruled by law instead of by grace. And Jesus is making a point that, hey, Peter, in this life as my disciple, which we all are, and in this life of revival that I've called you to live, and in this place where there are endless opportunities for offense and for sin to happen to you, you are going to need to learn to live with forgiveness as a lifestyle, not as a one-time moment. You see, I think this kind of, it, it ruffles our feathers a little bit. If you've come out of a strong evangelistic culture where church was very much about the decision and come to the plate, come to the Father, come to the altar, raise your hand, pray a prayer, become a Christian, and boom, everything in life goes on from there. If it's only and always about the moment of salvation, and that's an important moment, there does need to be a moment of salvation. But if everything is only pointed towards that moment, then you think that the one time that I forgave people is all I ever need to do. Because when you come to the place of, of receiving God's forgiveness, you now also have the ability to forgive others. Your ability to forgive others is not your own human nature. Remember, your human nature does not want to forgive. It is God's nature in you. So before you receive forgiveness, you've got nothing to give. 
I can't give you something I don't have. If my pockets are empty and you came up and said, can I borrow 10 bucks? I may have all the desire in the world to give you 10 bucks, but I can't give you something I don't have. But when we receive the forgiveness of God, we have the ability to forgive others. But it's not a one-time act. When you forgive somebody once of one thing, it's not the only time you're going to need to do that. I wish it was. But sometimes I've forgiven the same person of the same thing multiple times in the same day. And by the way, I have required people to forgive me of the same thing the same multiple times in the same day. That's a very quiet but internal amen that I'm getting from my wife. I married somebody who is required to forgive me of the same thing multiple times a day. She has married someone who is required to forgive her of the same thing multiple times a day. Because forgiveness is not a one-time thing. I wish it was. I wish I could just forgive and forget because that's what God does. But it's really hard because we forgive and remember. But we have endless opportunities to continue to forgive and forgive and forgive because that's the very nature of God that now lives in us. We're not under law. We're under grace. And the grace also means the empowerment. That means as many times as you need to forgive is how the many times that you'll be able to because you have His grace, His empowerment in you to forgive. The reason I'm saying if you came from a strong evangelistic culture, this might be difficult, is because if you forgave somebody, and then a week later, you find a little bit of unforgiveness in your heart again, if you think forgiveness is once for all, once I forgive somebody and you're done, then when you have to forgive again, you'll think there's something wrong with you. Or you'll think you'll never forgave them to begin with. But it's not true. It's just that you need to do it again. And again, and again. Well, when does this end? Well, like Jesus said, it's not about the number. It's about what's flowing in your heart. Forgiveness needs to be continuous. It's a lifestyle. Luke 17, verses 3 through 5. This is interesting. This is what I was talking about with Romy and I. Outside of her love for me, I think it's the greatest gift that she actually gives me on a daily basis. And this scripture says, so watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Now listen to this. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive you ever read stuff in the Bible and you're like, oh, that sounds great? And you're like, wait a minute. Read it again. Even if the same person does the same thing to you seven times in one day, but repents and asks forgiveness seven times in the same day, you must forgive them every single time. 
This is one of those things that Jesus is very strong in his language on. It's not, hey, it would be a good idea if you forgave him. Hey, if you feel like it, he says you must. It's the same Greek word when he says you must be saved and born again. Same word. Jesus is so strong on this. Many of you have heard the scripture that he says, if you don't forgive your brother, your heavenly and father doesn't forgive you. Now, that'll throw a wrench in your salvation theology right there. Forgiveness is a lifestyle. It's, it's not a one-time event. I want to be an expert forgiver. Seven times in the same day. I don't do good in the same week. Because at some point, you can just go, I'm going to write that person off. Well, I'm not saying you have to keep being their best friend. You do need to stay married. I'm not saying you got to keep being their best friend. So you can sometimes cut off a relationship, but not unless you've forgiven them. I want to be an expert forgiver. What do I want to leave behind in 2020? It's any unforgiveness that I've had in my heart. I want to leave it behind. I don't want to walk into 2021 owing somebody forgiveness. The Bible says, oh, no man anything. That means if I owe forgiveness... If I owe an apology, I want to give it. See, the truth is, I've offended many people and never realized it. I know that I've probably offended many of you. Everyone just broke eye contact with me. That's great. (laughs) That's awesome. And so I want to make sure that even in those moments where somebody has offended me, but they don't realize it and didn't intend it, I need to forgive them. Now, it doesn't mean you walk up to them and say, I forgive you for that thing you told me 10 years ago. Because be like, What thing I told you 10 years ago? Forgiveness is not always what you say to the person. It's what's happening in your heart. And the confession to God that, hey, God, I've held unforgiveness in my heart, and I forgive this person of that thing. In Jesus' name. When you do that, I promise you, no enemy can capture a forgiving heart. He can't. He can't capture it. Our human nature to remember does require this continual forgiveness. So when the memory of the offense comes back, every time it comes back, I choose forgiveness again and again and again. I make a habit of it. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says, Love keeps no record of wrongs. So if I'm still keeping a record, I probably haven't fully forgiven. If you make forgiveness a habit, you'll make revival a lifestyle. Make it a habit. I've often made a habit of unforgiving. Like every little thing, I can't believe they said that to me. I can't believe. Or this is what guys do. Oh, I don't care, but you do. It's like I ain't cussing, but where I'm spitting, the grass is dying. I'm fine. No, you're not. And you hear that little voice of the Holy Spirit that goes, yeah, no, you're not. No, I'm fine. It's cool. We're still friends. I don't mind. I'm okay. The Holy Spirit goes, no. You need to forgive. But I did forgive them. 20 years ago, I forgave them. Yeah, but... What's in your heart right now? Christmas, I know, for people, is a big trigger. 
because it often brings back memories of things past that maybe aren't so great. It can bring memories of loss, loss in a marriage, loss in death. And it can trigger some things that if you are in that mentality of thinking, I forgave them once, I shouldn't have to do this again. And you deny the pain that you're feeling. It's not a good way to live. But if you feel the pain, can I suggest to you that maybe the answer isn't to assuage that pain with trees and gifts and food and lots of people and alcohol. Maybe the thing to do is to acknowledge the pain and to take some action and to forgive. What do you mean forgive? They did me wrong. They need to ask my forgiveness. Well, what if they never do? Are you going to stay in bondage because they don't come to ask your forgiveness? Your forgiveness of them is your gift. My kids didn't rake leaves and cut grass and wash the car and earn their Christmas presents. It was a gift. Much more extravagant than they deserved. But the gift reflected the heart of a father and a mother who gave them something they didn't deserve because it was in my heart to give that gift because this heart is free. I didn't look at my kids and go, you didn't clean your room. You didn't do the seven things you were supposed to do this week. In fact, you didn't do any of them. So I'm withholding this gift from you until you do what's expected of you. I just gave them the gift. Regardless of what they did, I gave them the gift. This is what forgiveness is. Wrapped up in a pretty bow and given. And when you give the gift, it frees you. And I want to break that thought in our minds that they need to do something before I can forgive. Do you know why I forgive? (laughs) It's because I've been forgiven. I don't live with that mentality that I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. I'm, I'm deserving of nothing. It's, no, I'm a son. But I was a sinner who's been saved and forgiven. I am a son because I've been forgiven. See, if I still think I'm a sinner saved by grace and only a sinner, then I'm still ruled by the law. But when I realize that because of His grace for me, I've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I've been taken out of the orphanage and put into a family. God's not the benevolent, the benevolent overseer of the orphanage called the church. He's dead. And I got into the family. I wasn't taken in for the weekend and put back into the orphanage, which is how I think we treat church sometimes. It's like we got out of the orphanage to come to a family for Thanksgiving, and then we went back to the orphanage again. No, you're in the family. You're part of the family. And that's because he forgave me. That's what salvation is. It is forgiveness. 
If you're saved, you have the same power to forgive that God gave you. And so why do we have a hard time forgiving others sometimes? I think for me, I can only speak for me. It's because I sometimes forget of all that I've been forgiven of. And I forget that that same power lives in me to forgive others. Matthew 10.8 says, Freely you have received, freely give. And so I actually want to do something here today as we close. A couple of scriptures. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then Mark eleven twenty five. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, think about that. If you hold anything against anyone, okay, then uh, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you for your sins. Do you know what I felt like the Lord was speaking to me personally about this this morning? Because I just added this this morning. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. I used to think, well, God, how do I know if I need to forgive somebody? Because sometimes you just feel rotten, and maybe you've got a little bit of unforgiveness in you, but you actually don't know it. Do you ever have that? And you're like, I just, but every time, and, and I just want, and this is what I've seen people do. They go to the prophetic people, and they're like, would you tell me if I have any unforgiveness in my heart? Would you prophesy over me if there's anything, if there's any, cat, would you tell me, is there, do you see anything on me or in me? And I'm like, but if you stand praying, if you stand praying, And then you find that you've held anything against anyone. I felt the Lord tell me that maybe if you haven't become aware of someone you need to forgive, it's because you haven't stood praying in a while. The way you become aware of people you need to forgive, sometimes it's just the interaction you have with them, but just stand and pray. When I get in the presence of God, <laughs> this is the hard part about revival sometimes. When I get in the presence of God, I'm not just thinking of His glory. Suddenly, I'm, I'm like Adam in the garden. I'm suddenly very aware of my own nakedness. I'm going, here I am, all of me. And I'm like, whoop, not that part. Hang on. Hang on, God. Not that one. Hang on. I've got this one. Or, oh, I, I forgot that was there. And sometimes we do what Adam did and we run and hide from the presence because the presence exposes our nakedness. The presence exposes the people who we need to forgive. The presence exposes sin. The presence exposes any unforgiveness. But when you realize that you're a son, you're not the elementary student that's sitting in the principal's office waiting for him to smack you on the knuckles and that's how old I am. Um, you're not waiting for him to smack you on the knuckles for the bad things you did. You're a son who's coming to his father to clean him up, to help him because he stepped on a, I got a splinter in his toe or he stubbed his toe or hurt their wrist rollerblading. You're the father who is, you're running to the father who's there to heal you and help you and, and show you, hey, you've got some stuff in you. 
but it doesn't have to stay. And I've given you the power to get rid of it when you stand praying. So I'm going to ask you to stand if we can. You've been sitting down long enough. No one fell asleep. That's great. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, and cinnamon buns and coffee in Jesus' name. you got to time the cinnamon buns because you take it too early, you'll snooze during the message. So just the right amount of time. When you stand praying, come on, enter into his presence with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. You don't need a guitar. You don't need a worship leader. He's here in this room. Come on, enter his presence. Enter his presence with thanksgiving. That just means thank you, Jesus. Come on, tell him, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus. And ask him, Father, is there anyone who I need to forgive? Is there anyone who I need to forgive of anything? Come on, this is dad. He's not there to chastise you. He's there to help you get rid of this thing. And can I encourage you, whoever it is that God's put on your your mind, your heart right now, just forgive them right where you are. God, I forgive this person of this thing. And after you've forgiven them, just keep asking them, God, is there anybody else? Come on, I've done this sometimes, and God goes, no, you're good. And I've done this sometimes, and it's taken 30 minutes. Sometimes it was something that happened five minutes ago, and sometimes it was stuff that happened 30 years ago that I wasn't aware that I was still carrying. Ask him. Come on, let's leave these things behind. Let's not carry this into the new year. Who else, Father? Who else? It doesn't mean you have to go to that person. That person may not be alive anymore. But you can still forgive them. That person may be estranged from you, but you can still forgive them. Come on, keep asking them. Keep asking Keep asking. Thank you, Jesus. Stop beating yourself up if you have to keep forgiving the same person over and over and over again. I'm going to help you with that in a minute. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. And I'm not here to tell you it's going to get easier to forgive them every time. Because to be honest with you, sometimes that seventh time, it's like, really? Really? Isn't this getting a bit old? Do it anyway. It frees you. and actually opens them up to the gospel in a greater, more powerful way. 
Thank you, Jesus. Come on, feel that, feel the weight coming off. It's like scales falling off of your shoulders. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let your presence fall here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Keep asking. How do I know when I've forgiven everybody of everything? When you ask the question and the Holy Spirit says you're good or you don't hear anything else. But I'm not hearing God telling me I need to forgive anybody. Then maybe you're good. I'd encourage you to keep leaning in and listening a little more. Um, so as we're just all praying and giving stuff to God, because this is um, a very free place, there's no shame. There's no shame in this, right? We only invite shame when we don't forgive and we don't let go of stuff and we hide stuff. We invite shame. But the minute you just let it go, sometimes between you and God, sometimes maybe between you and another person for accountability or a confession because it just helps you, right? It helps your heart. Um, so there's no shame in that because the minute that happens, you're forgiven and washed clean immediately. Like there's immediate cleansing, all right, when you're on the confession and that letting go. Now what I saw, that was a setup to what I saw in the Spirit. I saw in the Spirit um, a heart. I'm not saying this is anybody in the room. I'm saying this is the example of what it's like to forgive people. In the spirit, I saw like a heart, but in the heart, there was a, a plant had grown in the heart and there was roots, a root system inside the heart. You all know what a plant looks like with the root system. Well, this was inside a, a heart and the heart I could see that was red, you know, pumping blood, but the root system um, was black and it had a bit of white detritus death kind of stuff on it. And I knew in the spirit that it was the um, bitter root of resentment. And so here's the thing is... Um, um, the very last thing the enemy tried to push on Jesus was resentment for the Father. Because uh, do you remember when? Do you remember when um, they offered him the the gall, the bitter gall? It's that bitterness. Yeah, this was your will for me to die, Father. This is the hardest thing I've ever done, and I'm just going to hold you bitter. And Jesus, in that split last second before he breathed his last, went, "No, <laughs> I don't want the gall. I don't want the vinegar, the bitter gall." Um, it was a prophetic act, an outward prophetic act of what was really happening in his heart as the carrying the weight of the world, the sin of the world, every sickness and disease, anything broken was on him, the weight of everything on him. He could have just turned and in that little split second of weakness gone, yeah, God, you, this was, I didn't want this, remember? You, this was your will and now I'm dying dead. And so it's that, and he rejected it. And so right now I'm going to ask that we be people who can reject any resentment, any bitterness, anything, because that's what he's talking about, offense. Offense rides in people's hearts in bitterness and resentment. And so um, just with eyes closed again here, Lord, I just pray that you'd reveal to anybody here, anybody here, if there's any resentment, if there's any bitterness for anything, small or big, um, reveal that to people here, reveal maybe a person or a situation, reveal that to them right now and I pray God that they would give that to you and allow that bitterness and that resentment to completely shrivel up out of their hearts and I pray that you fill that, fill that place 
with only the way you can, only the way you heal. I pray for healing to come in on the back of that because you reconcile. Everything you do is for our good. Everything you do in our lives is for reconciliation and promotion of good relationship into lives. And so I just pray right now, Father, uh, that you would help people let go. And I even saw the root, root as it was like the Father was pulling the better root out and it was like coming out of your mouth like like choking something coming out of your mouth, all right? I'm not asking people to choke here, <laughs> but I am asking people just to really let go, okay? Let go, just let go, give it to Jesus, the last little bit of it. Don't let any resentment or any bitterness there for any person because this is where freedom comes in for us, right? We're free and we don't hold stuff in our heart. And so, Jesus, I just bless that. I just bless that in all of us. I take that myself. I just bless that into all of us. I thank you that you are our healer. You have forgiven us and you've made so much grace available to us. And I pray that your grace would cascade down over our lives, like in wave after wave over our lives, filling us and showing us what it means to be people of grace, that we've received it and we've got to turn around and give it to others. If we've received forgiveness, we forgive others. If we've received your love, then we love others. And so I pray for such freedom around about this and that every little bit of resentment, every little bit of bitterness would be completely dried up and removed out of our hearts and that be whole and completely free hearts in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Be an expert forgiver. By the way, sometimes when you have to keep forgiving the same person over and over again, it's another teaching that I won't get into today, but often there's a lie that's been attached to that person. So it's more than just the need to forgive. There's a lie that the enemy has been telling you that you've believed. I remember when I did that once because I had the same person that kept cropping up. And I said, I finally went, hey, Holy Spirit, why does this keep coming up? What's the lie that I believe? And he said, you think you still need their approval. And my first reaction was, no, I don't. I was like, oh, wait, that was God. That's right. (laughs) And then I renounced the lie that was attached to it. And I never had to forgive them again. So dealing with the lie that's attached to it means that often it won't keep coming back. So can I just encourage you, even in your own prayer time, if the same person keeps coming up, just ask God. Just say, is there a lie that I have believed about me, about you, or about this whole situation? And when he reveals the lie, all you have to do is say, "I, I renounce that lie in Jesus' name. And then here's the next part. God, would you speak your truth to me? Because he replaces the lie with the truth. And you can hear from God for yourself. And he'll show you. He'll teach you. Amen. All right. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 